welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. We exist to be a life-giving church in our community that helps people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. Here you will find weekly sermons and teachings from our Sunday services. Let's dive into this week's message. Welcome everybody, man. It's good to have you for another podcast. Uh, As always, man, it is such a privilege to spend a little bit of time with you and to dive into God's Word and Man, I'm so excited about this series that we're in part two of today as we crank up 2024. It's simply entitled The Umbrella, and the concept is very simple. I truly believe that there's an umbrella of obedience that God would have us to get under in which His blessings or promises can flow. And I look forward to talking to you a little bit more about that and where that comes from God's Word. So join me of The Umbrella. And, and I'm going to get to it in just a minute, but for those of you that don't know, normally I have a big umbrella up here because I've been talking about the blessing. Most of us are a little bit confused when it comes to God's blessings because of two words. Outside of the umbrella of obedience, we have mercy and grace. Mercy is when we deserve something, but we don't get it. In other words, man, you, you messed up. You, you got caught speeding, but I'm going to let you go. Just slow down. That's mercy. Grace is when we get something we don't deserve. And because of those two words in the faith, we a little bit get confused with blessings because God does have blessings that are based on that. He blesses us that we we don't receive a punishment that we should receive, and he also blesses us that we get something we don't deserve. But there's also throughout God's word this, this aspect of obedience where you can see where people were obedient to God, and because of their obedience, then God blessed them. And we've been focusing on this umbrella of obedience. Well, the last area that I want to hit shows up in Matthew chapter 6, and I just want to read one scripture, and then that's where we're going to come back to. But I want you to listen to these words, Matthew chapter 6, and it is in verse 22. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now, here's what I want you to understand, and we're going to try to to get in and to explain this whole situation. But Jesus is literally speaking. He's given us an insight that he doesn't give us anywhere in the gospel. He, He brings everything down to one concept. He says, the eye. He says, if the eye is bad, then the whole body's bad. And I believe that a lot of times we think, oh, man, you got to be, you know, like in student ministry, I remember the youth pastor telling me, because of that, you need to be careful what you look at. But that's really not what it's talking about. There is something major that it's talking about that I want to help you understand today that I believe is the biggest part of getting under the umbrella of obedience where the blessing flows. And it's this aspect of what he mentions of the eye. In order to understand this, you need to understand a Greek word. The Greek word there is dekate, dekate. And dekate shows up in God's word in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, and also a lot in the New Testament. And it's a concept that when we say dekate, you're kind of like, well, that kind of sounds cool. Because you're like, well, what does that mean? It means a tent. The word decate means a tenth or a tithe. 
It shows up first in the Old Testament. For those that have been reading through the Bible, we hit this this last week, and it shows up in Genesis chapter 14 when Abram, he's not even Abraham yet, he's still Abram, and his wife's name is Sarai. She has an island in their name. She's not Sarah yet. But this promise is given, and he's went over, and he's conquered the kings of the Mesopotamian area, and he's come back, and he's went to another king, all right? And in this king, who ends up being the high priest, he blesses him. And when he blesses him and gives favor to God and tells him how much he's going to do, Abraham, Abram at the time, turns around, and he takes to this high priest, this king, and it says literally in verse 20 of chapter 14, Jesus, he says, and he gave him a tenth of all the things that were the spoils from the war. And what he was realizing was that, you know what, God is the one that provided the victory. So because God provided the victory, I want to make sure I honor God and because he was the provision. And so he gave this king the aspect of a tenth. This turns around and becomes a a part of a covenant in the Old Testament. In Leviticus, Leviticus actually ends. Leviticus is the aspect of the Levites or the Levitical law, the high priest. And they've made these different concepts in the Old Testament. And at the end, in chapter 30, it literally talks about giving a tenth of your crops or giving a tenth of your animals. And it was a part of a covenant. It was wanting people to understand where the provision and where the provider comes from. It's the same thing that Abraham started in chapter 14. And it's showing up in Leviticus because God is seeing that this is good. And so he makes a covenant with his people. And his covenant's very simple of this. I will be your God and I will do the things that you call me to do. And I will protect you and I will provide for you. And you will be my people and I will be your God. And I'm gonna give you this land in which you're going to inherit. Now, part of this covenant is, in return, you're going to turn around, and when it comes to sacrifices and a relationship with me, you're going to give me a tenth of the things that you have. This shows up where we're going to look at it first in Proverbs chapter 3. Listen to what Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, listen to what he says. He says, my sons, do not forget my teachings, but let your heart keep my commandments. That word commandment there is actually referring back to the Levitical law and the commands that were set up and also to Deuteronomy where he talks about the aspect of the Ten Commandments and what he set up with Moses. And so he's saying, don't forget God's commandments. Then listen to what he says. Because if you will keep my commandments, listen to what will happen. For the length of your days and the years of your life and the peace that I will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your necks. Write them on the tablets of your heart. If we do a little bit of research, again, going into Old Testament, we understand when they're talking about binding around their necks or putting it around their heart or around their heads. They were talking about they literally would carry around tablets. They would carry around different little blocks. They would teach their children. It's the aspect of gaining understanding, focusing on God's Word, dwelling on those things that you'll gain understanding. Now, listen to what he says next. And I'm going quickly because i got to get through the introduction to the main point. Verse 4, right, he says, write them on the tablet of your heart, ending verse 3. And then listen to verse 4. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. So the aspect that's here is there's a concept that if we will do what he's commanded us to do, focus on his word, we will find favor with God If you have your paper Bible, you can write beside there, blessing. That Hebrew word there could also be translated 
blessings. You will find blessings from God and favor with man. If you remember when Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man, it's the aspect of a social presence. And then listen to these words that are quoted so many times, but I want you to stay with me. Again, we're talking about this decate word. Chapter three, verse five, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. The aspect of fear of the Lord comes from Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's what, he's wor- it's what he's, that's what he's explaining to everybody. If you'll do these things, you're gonna become wise. That's the reason why you don't have to lean on your own understanding. And then listen to this. It will be a healing to your f- flesh and refreshment to your bones. And then here's the two verses. Listen. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barn will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. The aspect of first fruits that's mentioned here in the Old Testament is an agricultural term. And I need to explain for you just a second, and I promise I'm, I'm going as quick as I can to get to the point today. But I gotta give you this Old Testament background so that you'll understand what Jesus is talking about when he says a good eye. But the aspect is going with first fruit, and I may have mentioned this before. If not, I mentioned it in growth track. First fruit's the aspect of a harvest. If you were to go plant a garden or plant a harvest, you would have this first gleaning, this first fruit. That first fruit was normally used. You would collect that first fruit, put it in a bag, put the seed in it, let's say it's wheat, and you would kind of store it into the barn. That would give you enough seed that if something happened to the harvest, happened to the field, happened to the crop, and it was destroyed by by rain, by floods, by insects, whatever it may be, some sort of of a blight came through, whatever it may be, you would have enough seed with that first fruit, which was about a tenth of what the whole harvest was gonna be, but it also would equal what you would need to exactly plant the number of crops that you had. So if I took that first fruit, that, that tenth, and I stored it, and something happened to the crop, I didn't have to panic. I could mow down that crop, go take that seed, and it would plant the exact same amount. So beside first fruit, in your mind, I want you to write security. It's the backup plan. The aspect of first fruits is the security. Well, what if something happens? What if something happens to the harvest? What if happen, something happens in my life? I need to have a backup plan. I am not today gonna tell you that, that having a backup plan is a terrible idea. I'm not gonna tell you to turn around. I mean, Scripture tells you only a fool uses up all the oil and the wine. Like, like you need to, to have a little bit of a backup plan when it comes to your life. But the first fruits that it's talking about is this aspect of trust. Where are you going to put your trust? In fact, it's this aspect of a first fruit in which most people go to when we start talking about decate, when we talk about a tenth, when we talk about a tithe, and every pastor wants to go to Malachi. And they tell you something in Malachi, but they don't turn around and tell you why it happened. Today, I wanna tell you why it happened. I'm gonna turn in my Bible. You're gonna see it on screen, but listen to Malachi chapter three. And I'm gonna start in verse seven. From the days of your fathers, again, we're referring back to Old Testament. We're referring back to this covenant. We're referring back to Abraham, this commandment, this covenant. If you will do these things, I will do this. It'll actually show up in the garden. You can be fruitful and multiply and do whatever you want, but just don't 
do this one thing. You can have everything. Everything that you see is yours. Every animal I've given you dominion over. Everything that's here is for your goodness, so much so that in the heat of the day, me being God, I'm gonna walk down beside you and spend some time with you. So everything was an I can. There was only one I can't. He says, but the tree that's in the middle of the garden, the tree of, of good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat of this tree. Real quick rabbit trail. I believe it was in the middle of the garden. I believe God's word is important. I think the reason why God put it in the middle of the garden is because he would have to walk through everything he could have to get to the one thing he didn't have. So there would never be a time for him to go, well, I don't really know what I have. Like the only way to get to the tree that's in the middle of the garden is to walk through everything to get to the one thing that they don't have. In your mind, right now, I'm gonna come back to it, write down in your mind the aspect of the sin of lack. The first sin that shows up in this world is the sin of lack. It's when we turn around and we don't focus on everything we do have, we only focus on the things we don't have or what we could have. And that's what started the whole decline of man and death entered the world. Now, going back to this scripture, listen. He says, from the days of your father, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. And then he says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. So there's a concept, there's a concept that's going on. He's saying, listen, my people, we had commandments, we had statutes, we had things that we had covenant. You said you would do blank. I said I would do blank. You're not doing this, so therefore I'm not able to do my part. I told you that I would bless you, but you're not doing what you're supposed to do, so now you do not receive the blessing. I said I would protect you, but you're not doing what I called you to do, so now you are getting just absolutely hammered and losing land, and you're on a, on a, on a peninsula all by yourself, losing everything you've ever had. Not because I don't wanna be there, but because your actions are breaking the bond or the covenant. God said, listen, you're gonna be my people and I'm gonna give you a place to dwell. And I've got land for you. Anybody watch the news lately? That fight over that land's been going on for many, many, many years. You say, what's the issue? Why do the Jews not inhabit the land? Why is there a moss on top of the, you know, on, on top of the, of the where, where it should be the temple, where Solomon built his temple? That same hill that, that Isaac was gonna be, was gonna be slaughtered but all of a sudden there was a ram caught in a thicket. That same hill that Jesus would die on where his cross would be is where this, now the dome of the rock, or dome of the rock sits, this, this golden dome, this Muslim mosque sits. Why is that there? Because God's people didn't keep their end of the bargain. They didn't do what they were supposed to do when it came to the covenant. One more rabbit trail. Have I convinced you yet that obedience matters? Just like there's blessings with obedience, guess what? There's consequences with disobedience. And I'm not gonna be one of these pastors around and just be like, but you know what? God loves us and there's just grace. Praise the Lord there is, but guess what? There's an umbrella you can get under 
called obedience, and I promise it's a whole lot better under that umbrella. I'm not talking about robots. I'm not talking about legalism. I'm not talking about pharisaical thoughts where we look like washed white tombs, where we look good on the outside, but on the inside we hold dead bones. I'm talking about having a relationship with Christ, believing in his word, believing in his word enough to do what it says to do. Like if it's something that's obvious, then how about we do it? What's something obvious? We should be praying together. What's something obvious? We should be worshiping together. What's something obvious? We should be praying privately and communicating with God. We should be giving to those that are in need so we don't just live life for ourselves. We should be fasting and refraining from desires in order to focus more on Christ. All of these things are in his word, and that's just scratching the surface. But one of the things he's talking about is like, we've had these covenants, but you walked away. And listen to what he talks to the people about. Are you ready? He says, but you say, how shall we return? But you say, how shall we return? Verse eight, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. And then the people again, Malachi, he says, but you say, how have we robbed you? And then listen to what he says. In your tithes and contributions. If you have a paper Bible, underline these words. I'm just the messenger. Don't beat up me after this. But it's important for you to hear this. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. See, he is literally, he has honed in to this one concept so great that he says, if you don't do this, you're going to be cursed with a curse. Now, I know you're thinking, man, Pastor, I'm like, I'm getting ready to get up and leave. Like, I didn't come here for this. Listen to me. Hang with me to the end. I want to give you the whole concept so at the end, we don't ever have to talk about this again because now you know. Stray out of God's word. But he says, you're going to be cursed with a curse. But then listen to what he says. Here's where it gets good. He flips it. He flips it in verse 10. He says, bring the full tithe. That's that word dekate, but it's in Hebrew. It literally can be translated a tenth. It's the same Hebrew word that's in Genesis when Abraham literally says he gave him a tenth of the spoil. It's the same word that's talking about first fruit, that's talking about a tenth. Everybody says, well, I don't know how much, how many. It's a tenth. It's a tenth. He says, bring, listen to these words, the whole tithe, the full tithe, not a part of the tithe, not a little bit of the tithe, not just what I can afford as a tithe. He says, bring the full tithe. And then listen to where he says to go with it. He says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. That word storehouse could also be his church. Where you worship. And then listen to what it says. It says that you, or that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. This is one of the only areas he says you can test him in. He says, and if I will, and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you, paperback Bibles underline these words, a blessing. Pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. How big is the blessing that comes 
with obedience and giving. It's a blessing so big that you will lose your ability to have need. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. Some people have, have twisted this. They don't use the word need, they use the word want. They say, you'll be blessed so much, you'll have everything you want. That's not what God's word says. He says, you'll have everything that you need. Now, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, having everything you need from God is better than having everything you want in your flesh because your wants sometimes will get you into a lot of trouble. Just trust me on that. You say, Mickey, how do you know that? Out of out of not embarrassing myself, I'm just going to tell you, there's been things that I thought I needed, and I got them, only to find out I didn't need it. I just wanted it, and it took me many, many years to get out of it. Focus on what God's calling you to so that you won't have to worry about your needs. Now, I got six minutes to get, that was the introduction. You say, Mickey, this ain't going to work. Yes, it is. But I wanted to give you a background of what it's talking about, what it's talking about decate, what it's talking about giving, what it's talking about tithe, because most of the time I see pastors and they talk about tithe, and it's normally on the Sunday when they're saying, oh, and by the way, we're starting a new building program. We're not starting a building program. We don't need anything. I'm not preaching this because of something we're lacking. I'm preaching this because of something that we want for you. What do we want for you? I have a major conviction that I want to do everything in my power, use that word very loosely, when it comes to God's word to preach the truth so that you'll get under the umbrella so that you can be blessed. So just so you'll know, what I'm talking about today is because I want you to be blessed. You say, Mickey, well, what makes me think that, that I'm gonna be blessed? Because I've been blessed. I'm telling you, there's no way that a guy in student ministry married with five kids living on one salary should have made it financially. You say, well, how'd you and Amy do it? You gotta be obedient. You say, well, yeah, I bet you... You know, I bet you guys bought this and bought that and bought that. You'd be shocked. I drive a truck that somebody gave me. You say, well, how do I get on that train? I want a truck. <laughs> Listen, be obedient. I'm not going to tell you he won't do it. Why? Because he did it for me. And if he did it for me, I know he can do it for you. You say, oh, that's going to be my motive. I'm going to start giving so I can get a truck. Listen, I'll be honest with you. I don't think that's the right motive, but whatever I got to do to get you started, because I want you to be blessed. Because I'm not worried about your heart right now, and I'm going to tell you why. Can we go back to Matthew? Let's go back to Matthew. Let's get into the actual message for today, in which all God's people said amen, please, so we can get done. Here's what we know when we talk about the I. If we look at the verses before and then look at the verses after, we will understand what he's talking about, whereas if you have a good eye or a bad eye. Here's the verses before it. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. This is the reason why I'm not worried about where your heart is right now. Listen to what he says. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. This is Jesus speaking. So if anybody tells you, well, tithing's an Old Testament principle. It's not in the New Testament. 
They're lying. Jesus speaks more about giving than he does just about anything else. And generosity. In fact, John even says, for God so loved the world that he gave. Giving is a vital part of what we do. And I'm gonna tell you why by the end of this. But listen to these verses. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Here's what I want you to understand, one simple principle. When we read this, you have to understand that when it comes to this world, there are things that are gonna be taken and destroyed from you and there's things that this world can't touch. You can keep investing in things that are gonna be wiped away or you can choose to invest in things that are never gonna be stolen from you ever, ever, ever. I'm not the wisest person in the world. I'm not. But when something's that simple, I start to go, hmm. Well, you know what? I wanna get the stuff that somebody can't steal. Like if I said, hey, I got two banks. One of them gets broke into about every week. One of them has never been robbed. Which one do you wanna go to? Well, I'm gonna go to the one that gets robbed. <laughs> yeah, that sounds kind of fun. No, you're not. Well, but they're gonna give me a bigger return on my investment. Yeah, because you're taking a bigger risk with them. So it may seem great right now, but guess what? You are going to lose it all. Why? Because that's what it's always happened. Now, let's step out of this umbrella for just a minute. There's still grace and mercy, which is amazing things, but it confuses a lot of people. Because of God's grace and mercy, sometimes we don't get under the umbrella. Today, I wanna give you the truth so you'll get under the umbrella. And so listen to me. From this scripture, Jesus is speaking. This is the same Sermon on the Mount where he has started. Chapter six of Matthew the whole thing is about practicing your righteousness. It's the aspect of practicing your obedience. He starts with giving to the needy, then he goes into prayer, and then he talks about fasting. Then he moves from that, talking about practicing your obedience, and he talks about giving. And he says, do not store up for your treasures. And so he says, what does treasure mean? Does that mean what's important to me? It's money. It's talking about your money. Where are you putting your wealth? And then listen to this last verse where he says, here's the reason why I don't worry about your heart. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. One of the reasons why I wanna see you get in line and obedient and do what God's called you to do is because I know the heart change that takes place. You can start off with all the wrong reasons of why you're doing it. Well, I'm gonna do it because I wanna get trucked like Pastor Mickey. Go ahead. And I'll be praying to give you a truck. Because I know that in the process of doing what you're supposed to do, where he says, test me in this, when you start seeing him do what he promises to do, all of a sudden you're gonna start realizing, wait a minute, <laughs> my heart's starting to change. I'm gonna start seeing things that are of importance. I'm gonna start investing in things that aren't gonna be destroyed or be stolen from me. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. I'll prove this real quick, and I gotta go quick because of time. Listen to me. I can tell you real quick the things that you talk about and what you spend the most time on because it's where you put your money. We see it at the beginning of every year, right? Have you ever heard so many people talk about working out? And it's not because they're wanting to get in shape. The reason is because they got their money. Like you went down to Planet Fitness and they're like, hey, 
For right now only, you can sign up for a dollar. And you're like, oh, just a dollar? Yeah, and it's only $10 a month. Oh, $10 a month. At the end of the year, you've given them $120 and been there four times. You say, what gives you the right to say that? Look at me. I've given them a lot of money. But when things have my money, I talk about it. Whether it be a car, whether it be trips. Have you ever noticed that people's social media is blown up with things they spend their money on? Listen, where your treasure is, you're gonna find your heart being there. Now listen to this next part. Let's go back to where we started. Matthew chapter seven, verse 22. So for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. In the Hebrew terminology, in the Greek life, the aspect of the eye is not the concept of seeing things correctly. To have a good eye was a phrase that was used that would tell somebody that they had a good ability in their generosity. He literally was talking about being generous. If you're generous with the things that you have, then the way that you see things will change. If you're generous with the ways and the things that you have, then where your treasure is, there your heart is going to be also. And you're gonna have a good heart when you're focusing on godly things. If you have a paper Bible where it says a good eye, right beside that, write the word generosity. It's not about seeing things. It literally was a phrase talking about generosity. It's kind of like when we tell people, hey, that person has a green thumb. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never actually seen somebody with a green thumb. That would be kind of weird. What does that mean? It means they're good with what? Plants or gardening or growing things. The same concept is here in the New Testament when he says to have a good eye. And then he puts a major emphasis on it. He says, if you cannot learn to be generous, then your whole body is done. I just want you to let that sink in for a minute. In fact, I'll prove that he's talking about generosity. Look at what he talks about after that. The next verse, listen. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will devote to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. There's no reason why he would have sandwiched in there something to do with the things that you're seeing, and he's talking about treasures, and he's talking about money. The reason why it's sandwiched in there is because he's talking about having the ability to do what God's called you to do with generosity. When God talks about generosity, he's talking about decate. He's talking about a tithe. He's talking about doing the covenant he had had from the very beginning where we bring the tent or the tithe to the storehouse. Now, that last part where it says money, some people have used that for the wrong reasons. I like some of the other translations better that will use possessions. I love, in this particular case, the King James Version, where it says mammon. 
M-A-M-M-O-N, because that is one of the references to one of three demons or false gods that were present in the Garden of Eden. This particular false god or demon was over the concept of money, of greed. See, the aspect of being generous is it helps you to keep from from being too consumed with going and getting what you lack. So when the serpent tested Eve, what did he do? He didn't talk about everything he could have. He didn't talk about everything she already had. He, he, He went at her based on the one thing she didn't have. It's the sin of lack. And so because this sin of lack ends up destroying all of creation, then God, in his refurbishing us before he sent his son Jesus, and then Jesus dies on the cross so we can have a relationship with him, and eventually we're gonna get to the new heaven and new earth. But one of the things that God wanted to do was to give us something, to give us a covenant that would keep us from ever falling into the trap of lack ever again. You know what that was? Decate. He wanted you to know where it all came from and to not focus on what you didn't have, but to focus on what you have been getting. And the greatest way to do that is to graciously give back to the person that has given or given it to you. But a lot of people say, well, I can't do that. You don't understand. Like, you don't know my bills. You don't know what's going on. And I'm gonna say this very carefully. And I would say, well, how's that working out for you? In fact, Jesus kind of says the same thing. Notice the next scripture starts with a therefore. The therefore literally is referring like, like because everything I just said, because moth and rustle destroy, because where your heart is, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Because of the aspect of generosity and having a good eye, because of the aspect that you can't serve two masters and you can't fall into this greed or this sin of lack and focus on just the things you don't have and always have this unsatiable desire that there's always has to be more, like, like that's what the whole creed of that mammon is. Never enough is what he would be his motto. There's never enough. You go to the buffet and you're like, wow, this is awesome, but there's never enough. So now we added a dessert bar. Oh, this now, now we got a dessert bar. This is great. Well, now we're on a coffee bar. Oh, there's never enough. I always want more. I know a lot of people that have made a lot of money and they still want to make one more dollar because there's never enough. It's the insatiable desire to have more. It's the sin of lack. Another way that people put it is greed. And he says all this, and then he puts a therefore. Because most people are gonna say, but I can't do that. And listen to what Jesus says after the therefore. He says, and I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body and what you put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than the clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all of his glory, 
was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, like, uh, today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Can I hit a pause button? Literally, Jesus answers the question that's already in your mind. Like, like don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you're going to do, how you're going to be. Listen, he's saying, do what I've told you to do. And then the next scripture, he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. You say, Mickey, why do you talk about this? Because I want you to understand something. Listen to me. You can't get to all the other things and be a robber of God. That's probably the hardest thing you'll ever hear me say from this stage. It took me six years to get to the point to be able to stand up here and even talk about this. Because so many people I've seen used it for the wrong thing. I want you to hear it because I want you to be blessed. And when I started thinking through this umbrella of blessings and I was thinking about prayer, and I think, and I, I mean, I, I was like, I ain't, I ain't going there, I ain't going there. I was planning on pastors that talking about under the umbrella of worship. Today was supposed to be the week that we talked about worship. Like in order to be blessed, we gotta be able to worship God together. Wouldn't that have been better, Zach? But I couldn't get past this. Because this is the one area of obedience that he says, if you don't have a good eye, then the whole body is full of darkness. See, listen to me. Generosity literally will change the way you see things. It'll change the way you look at things, the way you compare things, the things that you seek after. And I just want you to know that as somebody that loves you and wants you to be blessed, that I don't want to avoid this topic because it's just hard sometimes. And it is the one theme that's throughout God's word that represents a covenant with God that existed in the Old Testament and is still alive in the New Testament where God's saying, listen, when it comes to your dakate, honor me in these things. And if you will do that, I will open up the floodgates of heaven and I will bless you so much that you will not even be able to build enough storehouses to hold all the things that you're gonna have. Now, again, is that the reason to do it? I am at a point where I'm saying, you know what, I don't know. There's a part of me that feels like that probably, probably isn't a good reason. But then there's another part of me that knows, you know what, any good reason to get obedient, that's a good reason. I know people that have come into a relationship with Jesus Christ because they wrecked. Are wrecks a good reason? No, but when you almost die in a wreck, it has a way of putting things in perspective. So I'm gonna quit questioning the why and how God gets us into his obedience. And I'm just gonna keep preaching 
the reason why obedience matters. Because here's, here's the truth. I've said this briefly, and, I, and I'm, I'm talking to myself because of, of struggling sometimes on preaching on certain things. Because I don't want people to have this concept like, like we're out to get that. We're, we're out to, we want something for you. But when something is so obvious in God's word, those are the things we gotta make sure we run to. Like I'm telling you, there are so many things, I don't, I don't believe that they're gray areas. I think everything's black and white. But some things, it's a maturity process, right? It's kind of like education. If you can't add two plus two, you're gonna have a real hard time when we get to trigonometry. It was like Greek. Why did I walk around with all those cards? Because if I couldn't recognize what the word was, I was never gonna be able to parse it, look at its verb tense, look at the ending on it, and be able to use it correctly in the transliteration. I had to start with the right background. Listen to me. The obedience umbrella are things that are obvious. Obvious. You should be communicating to God. You can do that by being in his word and praying. You should be a part of meeting the needs of people that have a need. You should be a part of refraining from things in your life that you have major desires for so that you would take that desire and focus on godly things. We call that fasting. And you got to let loosen. You, you got to loosen up and let go of the grip that you have on your money. I know a lot of people that have made millions of dollars. And that's not where their satisfaction came from. Now, I'm not one of these pastors going to get up here and say, money ain't going to make you happy. Because I, though I believe that, I'll also tell you the lack of money can make you miserable. Any amens on that one? Like now, pastor's speaking truth. Now, I agree with that. You're talking about giving money. Let me tell you something. The lack of money, man, that, is, that, makes, that makes the marriage a little bit tense. That makes the way we treat the kids a little bit tense. It makes the month a little bit harder. It makes everything a little bit, like it, it can make things hard. But I believe that most of that goes back to one concept. It's because at a young age, you were brought up to go chase an American dream and nobody ever talked to you about a God's dream. And in God's dream, it's not about having a house and, and two kids and a white picket fence and a dog. In God's dream, it's that you would have all of your needs met. There's a, there's a major movement sweeping through a generation right now. There's commercials out about it. They're constantly talking about it on social media. It's everybody that's in their late 20s and 30s and, and a few in their early 40s. And what it is is they're questioning. They're questioning the concept of why am I doing life this way? Why do I run into a job and start giving them my time and, 
and give them my time to make money so that I can buy something that I don't need and have these different things, and yet I don't have time for my wife, I don't have time for my kids. How do I get off this hamster wheel? Like, when are we gonna rethink the way that we're doing this? Is it really that big of a deal to have these things? And listen, that's not what today's message is about. But I read a post this week where somebody was talking about it and they said, this is the biggest scam ever that I would only have about three hours every day left to spend time with my kids and with my family. After we get up and get ready for work, after I go to work, after we come home, after we fix dinner, after we clean up after dinner, after we get everything done, we have about three hours before bedtime and we gotta fit in homework and fit in these other things and time for each other. And then we go to sleep, exhausted, wake up tired to do it all over again. And he said, what a big scam. How did we get here? And somebody replied, it just, it just shook me to my core. They said, the question is not how did we get here? The question is, how do we get out of it? You say, Mickey, did you respond? I didn't. But I got a podcast next week I'm gonna put on that post. Because I'm telling you, if you'll do it God's way, you're gonna find yourself getting off the hamster wheel. You say, Mickey, this is not making sense. You're saying to get my needs met, I gotta start giving and have less. I know it's the stupidest thing. It doesn't make any sense. But guess what? His ways are higher than your ways. His knowledge is higher than your knowledge. Proverbs says, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Listen, quit trying it your way and listening to everybody else that's stuck in the same situation you are and let's start getting under the umbrella of blessing. Well, again, I want to thank you so much for joining us for another podcast. Uh, man, I, I, I cannot tell you how much I've enjoyed uh, just the first couple of parts of this particular series and believe it's the perfect time going into a brand new year uh, to implement God's Word into our life and to think about what it truly means to do the things that he's called us to do, to be obedient. Well, as always, man, if you're ever in the Cleveland, Tennessee area, we would love to see you. Or if you'd like more information about Crossroads Community Church, you can go to crossroadscommunitychurch.com and all the information's there. There's also a link if you want to support this ministry and these podcasts going out. You can click on that link and you can give to the ministry and all of the proceeds will go to these podcasts and get it in the word out. As always, thank you so much for being a part of our podcast family. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Until next time, God bless and have a great day.